Good morning, everyone. Friends, let us attend to the scriptures of the day. Our first reading from 2 Kings, you should really read the whole uh, book of 2 Kings to get a better understanding. But in short, uh, there's a prophet of God. And remember, in those times, prophets of God, they weren't liked. They usually were ignored and shunned, even worse, stoned, because they brought God's word to a situation uh, in their lives or in society. So here is a woman who is extending hospitality to one of God's prophets. He wants to reciprocate, but uh, when you read the story, she doesn't want anything. She says, I'm good. Don't need anything back. But actually, in time, she will. She will need, and we will see the prophet respond to a great hurt in her life. And remember, the prophet represents God. So he goes on behalf of God uh, to address the woman's uh, hardship that she's going through. Remember, the gospel reading, uh, inside the gospel reading, the English translation, uh, sometimes we lose a little bit of the meaning. And so I want to just address a couple pieces there. Uh, in there, uh, Jesus is speaking about his apostles. He's talking about his disciples. And uh, uh, there's a comment that Matthew makes that Jesus says, whoever finds his life will lose it. Now, our ears, that sounds a little bit odd because people are constantly trying to find themselves, which is good. So the translation is off here. Uh, what is being said, and we know it from the second line, um, the better way to understand it in English is, whoever denies me to save their life, will they lose it? That is the and that's not even close, is it? You're like, oh, that's completely different. Yeah, it is. That's why I want to point it out to you. Also, as we go down further, uh, he says, whoever, uh, whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet gets a prophet's reward. They're not talking about the prophet. They're talking about the person who receives the prophet. That's a good thing. And it's also about hospitality. And he says, also, the one who receives the righteous one because he is righteous. And remember, in their time, righteous has to do with God. So this all has to do with God. Uh, will receive the righteous man's reward, which is uh, something great. Then it ends with um, Jesus saying, anyone who uh, gives a cup of cold water to these little ones, these little ones refer to the prophet, the righteous one, and the disciples. So Jesus, strictly speaking, is talking about whoever's going to receive my apostles and my disciples. Um, so I want us to understand this is what its meaning is. So let's look closer then at the gospel. The gospel has several themes, but I want to go after two of them. And one is about carrying our cross. We would understand that as challenges, hardships, sufferings, pain in our life. And the other one, uh, oddly enough, is about hospitality. Jesus says, whoever offers a cup of water, he's talking, he's using a cup of water as an example of hospitality. Kindness is what he's getting at. The hospitality Jesus speaks of, of course, is towards his apostles um, because he knows that they are going to be martyred one day. The world is not going to accept them. And my friends, moving forward to today, even though we might not care for the demeanor or style of one of his disciples today, perhaps Father Mark, still the messenger <laughs> deserves respect because of whom the messenger represents. So, um, I hope I'm doing this, um, but the, um, 
the disciple, the messenger, does not act on his own, but he comes in the name of God. This type of apostle or disciple carries out the mission in the name of God. That person speaks about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom that they think it's about or about the one they want, but the one that Jesus spoke about. And the disciple follows ultimately the example of Jesus who was obedient to his father. And so, my friends, um, this is what uh, Jesus is getting at. And Jesus' exhortation about carrying one's cross is very dramatic and can be very distressing because he's talking about sufferings. And uh, regarding what Jesus is saying about family members, the account just before this, Jesus says, I have come to divide. And that's hard for us to understand. He said, I've come, and he said, there will be a separation of mother and daughter, father and son. Uh, last Mass, I said he, jokingly, I had to be careful of my humor. But they also bring up in-laws, and we're like, yeah, we know about in-laws. They, <laughs> they tend to be that way anyhow. Um, but uh, today's account, he says, if you love your relatives more than you love me, you are not worthy of him. So my friends, St. Augustine uh, made a commentary about this comment, and he said, you know, another way to look at it is that we simply have God as primary, in his direct words, where everything else will fall into its proper place. And uh, uh, perhaps one of the ways to understand it uh, is perhaps uh, Jesus is using family members as the example of distractions. Do not let things distract you from the mission given to you as a baptized disciple of Jesus Christ. And, um, but it's always good. we got to put the scriptures in context. So in context, what Jesus is saying was right on target because the first Christians, the early church, when the decision uh, to become a Christian was made, it divided families. Christianity uh, was, remember, it was something new. And uh, when they made this decision, they would have been thrown out of their houses. It's all in the scriptures. When you decided to become a follower of the way, is what they called it, you decided to follow Jesus and not be Jewish anymore, you got thrown out of your house, you could be thrown out of your city, no one would conduct business with you. You see what's happening? Uh, the division. And um, at that time, as we know it, Christianity was so incompatible uh, with the culture and times around it that you could have died. When people made the decision to be a Christian, they separated themselves from a whole network of social and business contacts, as well as family members. Becoming a Christian is a huge decision. It was then. It is now. And my friends, being a Christian is not just a private choice or matter. As I've been talking about, Becoming a baptized Christian had profound implications and consequences in all sectors of life back then, and I think it still does today. Today, so much around us is indifferent and even hostile towards the core teachings of Jesus Christ and of the church. Today, the unfortunate culture that uh, is around uh, lends itself to many addictions of so many kinds. People looking in the wrong places for what they want and becoming addicted to things that are not good for them. We have corporations um, that are <laughs> malfeasant. Don't you like that word? Malfeasant. They do bad things. 
big corporations that do bad things for profit. My friends, bring it down more locally to us. The way that the sacrament of matrimony is made fun of and made light of in movies and in music, a constant attack on marriage and its sanctity. And in addition to that, the relentless assault on the dignity of human life. Almost on every front, we are faced with the decision either to silently go along with society, meaning I'm going to be Christian, but I'll be a Christian in my house and no one will know. No, that's not how it works. It didn't work back then. It will not work this way either. Or you can choose to live as his disciples and being his prophets. Now, prophet meaning not future teller, but someone who brings the word of God in a time that it's needed. And in baptism, by baptism, you have been made this. In baptism, uh, people become prophet, priest, and king, meaning royalty. And uh, my friends, um, it is a choice as serious for us today as it was for those first Christians. The influence of our popular culture everywhere employs every form of media and platform to get its message across to everyone. You know this, you live in society. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just pointing it out. And if you don't want to say it, then I will. But it employs every possible technique to get its ideology across to you and infuse it into you. It is so aggressive and so relentless that many Christians are overcome by it and seized by it and they begin to depart from the understanding of Jesus Christ and they become fearful of living as a disciple publicly. Now, my friends, so we, we all know folks whose family life and married life and personal life are in great challenge and maybe even in chaos because of the influence of the status quo. They become confused. They have anxiety about it. Now, I'm strictly speaking about baptized Christians and in particular Roman Catholics. When St. Paul speaks in that second reading, he is talking about all those who would become baptized and would become Christian. He says something about them. And so, my friends, uh, St. Paul in the second reading uh, says, all who are baptized in Jesus Christ have this about them. And so, uh, everyone who has been baptized on their baptismal day, they were dressed in a white garment. They were anointed with sacred oil. And a candle was given to them, um, the family members, uh, so the mom and dad and the godparents were given a candle and told, keep the candle burning brightly for this person, meaning keep the faith going for them, help them. And so, my friends, here's the question that happens a lot, and I'm sure Deacon gets it as well as I do. Um, things change, the baptized, you know, things happen in people's lives, people make mistakes, there is sin, people sin, things go wrong, and often then there's a question. Is there a place for these baptized Christians in the church? And I think we see a link of hospitality, and this is where I'm giving you a homily that's a little bit on the fringy side. I'm taking the extremes of interpretation for you, and I'm going to say yes. The hospitality that the woman showed to 
uh, I'm going to switch things around now. We're the ones who can extend a cup of water to the baptized Christian, to the baptized who is in need, right? So most of us Catholics know someone in family or friends who have made mistakes and have perhaps committed serious sins of all kind and who now feel, feel, I'm using that word deliberately, who now feel that the Catholic Church does not want them anymore. They feel and perceive that to come to church, they must have a wrinkle-free and stain-free life. That is not true. We come into this church, into this sacred house, to become holy, not to become perfect. God does not ask of you something that you cannot do. You cannot be perfect. Not here. In heaven, yes, with his grace, but not here. But we can become holy. That is within us to do with his grace. So then the hospitality, as I call it, of the church, is not the type of hospitality that you receive at a five-star hotel where everyone seems very well manicured. And I know because I've been in those hotels, and I immediately run to my room and bring out my best suit coat. Because <laughs> I realized when I was in the lobby, I was standing out as, I don't think he normally should be here. Right? So you know what that feels like. Here in the church, we have the hospitality of our Lord's grace, where people do not have to have picture-perfect lives. They don't have to have perfect families or perfect marriages. This house is open to those who have made mistakes and perhaps are struggling to start again, looking for the reset button, if you will. There is room in Mother Church for such. The grace given the church, the hospitality that extends from it, is supposed to help people put the pieces back together again and get them back on track. That is why coming to weekly Mass is so important for us Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox Church. Now, my friends, we all have crosses, and by that Jesus has challenges and hurts and sorrows that we have to carry. And I wish that sometimes we could just take those and stick them on a shelf just to get some breathing room, or for some, they put it on the shelf so that they can step foot in here. You don't have to. You bring it with you. Here is the place where we can come to recalibrate our moral compass, to revive our commitment as disciples of Jesus. Here, in this church, we can reignite our commitment. If you will, we reignite our baptismal candle. We clear off our baptismal garment and through our Lord's grace, restore Christian dignity. We reclaim our proper place at our Lord's table. And throughout all of this, we slowly, slowly remodel our lives. So here's my appeal to you as your pastor. If you know of Catholics who are not coming, lapsed Catholics, who feel that they are no longer welcome, or 
that they feel so much time has passed, it's too great. Or they have simply become overwhelmed by the crosses in their lives. Please tell them to come home. Extend the olive branch. Let them know this is home. My friends, Jesus, at the end of Matthew's gospel, they use an example of a cup of cold water. A cup of cold water doesn't cost much. It may not seem like a lot, but when you are thirsty in the desert, it is everything. A small thing that means an awful lot. And I think this is what Jesus was getting. An ordinary cup of fresh water given in his name will be rewarded. And how sensitive God is to goodness in such a simple measure. At the same time, it calls for mercy and love and charity. It calls for perhaps us to suspend our condemnation on those who are baptized and simply get them to come back. Let them know that there is a place for them in church. They can come home. And through the sacraments, they can renew their spiritual strength. Remove stains of sins and mistakes and recover from them. Each of us can become conduits of this loving type of hospitality of Jesus Christ to someone who needs it. I'm sure Deacon will, can verify, but the one thing that I hear a lot, Father, my daughter has just informed me that uh, you tell them she needs to be inside the church. Father, my son has just said dot, 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 dot. Tell your son to come and put his butt inside the pew. He needs to be here. Father, my family said Tell your family to come to church. No more excuses. There is a distinction between those who have made a decision to walk away for ideology reasons or theological. That's different. Jesus allowed people to walk away. Remember the rich young man? Jesus said, I love you. Here's what you got to do. And he said, I can't do that. And he let him walk away. And Jesus didn't hate him. He just said, it is very difficult sometimes. So I'm making a distinction. I'm talking about Catholics who have been told they are not welcome, who feel that what they have said or done is so great that they cannot come back here. That is not true. The best place for a sinner is right here, where we can watch them, help them, and guide them. Because if we don't do it, society is going to overcome them and devour them and put them on a trajectory that will be very difficult for them to come back for. Society is just waiting. And my friends, about that, a society that throws away segments of their constituents, of their people, is a society that needs to do some soul-searching. If that is true of society, is that not true then of Mother Church? Mother Church cannot throw away segments of her own. They belong here. There's more of you than there is of me. 
you have the ability to speak to them. If they want to find out more, tell them to come and make an appointment with the deacon or with me. They can make an appointment with the bishop, but it's going to take months. <laughs> and for some of us, we don't have months. We just we have enough. No, we don't have that kind of time. But do you understand what I'm saying? The sinner belongs here, where they will find safety, and we will work. And there are things, yes, some things need a remedy, and Mother Church has that. And I've been talking about excommunication because our members don't understand exactly what that is. People think excommunication means they're thrown out and they can never come back again. That is not what excommunication in the church means. Excommunication is Mother Church's final attempt to shake the person. Do I got your attention now? Now I need you to come back here and let's address the problem. It's not a throwing out and never come back. As a matter of fact, everyone or anyone who's excommunicated is expected to come and sit right in this pew. Now they can't do anything. That's, the, that's one of the challenges until the remedy is made. But they're supposed to be here. So to all those Roman Catholics who feel that Mother Church doesn't want them, we've got to change that opinion in their hearts so that they'll come back. Amen? Do you understand, brothers and sisters? It is our task to do this. Jesus written recorded in the scriptures by the evangelist said, I have come not for the healthy, but for those who are ill. Nothing has changed when it comes to that. He still wants to extend because Jesus wants nothing lost that belongs to him. And those who are baptized, according to St. Paul, belong to him. So we just got to get him in the right place. Amen?